0: Welcome back, listeners. Morse code here.
1: Today, I have a treat for you. Josh speaking with the Eric Pearl of the reconnection. And I had to crawl through the sewer system to get it for you. So you better like it. Why did I have to do that? You're probably asking. Well, I don't always owe you an answer,
0: do I? All right, Dr. Eric Pearl. Thank you so much. So this is um, thank you very much for kind of visiting with me and kind of having a a private conversation here. And and, and I got to tell you that uh, even though I know I've had hackers kind of listening to my conversations in the past, I, I can assure you we've kind of swept the area. We are not being recorded. I know that for sure because I have top-notch security. They're a crack commando team. And uh, so anyway, I just want to let you know that this is a private conversation. So feel free to share the things that maybe you wouldn't be willing to share. And I think mainly for me, uh, I'm going to reveal some things that I have never shared publicly because I've just been too... embarrassed, not embarrassed, but just fear of of uh, a judgment of some rather supernatural things that have happened in my life. And I reached out to you because I know that you're someone that's kind of you, I know you've experienced some of those same things. And another thing I got to say is you're partially to blame for, <laughs> for some of these <laughs> supernatural experiences right. that have happened in my life. And so, first of all, I mean, I just want to thank you so much for for taking some time and, and visiting with me about this.
1: Well, I, I, I appreciate your confidence in reaching out and contacting me. And I'm very happy to have this discussion
0: with you and, and honored you asked. So I'm going to take some notes here as well because I'm going, I'm kind of preparing our conversation uh, to, uh, as I'm doing a lot of research in kind of a Napoleon Hill fashion to kind of share this wisdom. Uh, with uh, With an audience that is looking to increase their authority, and I think part of that authority is recognizing when there might be gifts within us that uh, that maybe we are embarrassed to share with the world and I think that a really big part of owning our authority and owning our identity, who we are, is being comfortable with and vulnerable with, with sharing some of those things that it's possible that there might be a percentage of the audience or or, our population or our customers or clients or, you know, social media audience, whatever, that might not be ready for that. And that's okay. Like in, and in fact, just because of our authenticity, it, it might welcome things that we never expected. And, and with that, I, I'm wondering, you know, while I kind of take some notes here, if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing what happened in your life. And of course, by now, of course, you've written about it and you've been teaching about this for um, getting close to a couple decades now. Um, but w- would you mind just kind of recounting um you know, what, what I, I'm kind of calling a, what, what appears to be a, a fairly supernatural experience that, that you experience. And I say supernatural in that you don't necessarily have an explanation for what happened. But, but if, if you wouldn't, if you would mind, I, I, I'd really love to hear it. Sure. I'm
1: very happy to do that. And in my listening to your thought process here, one of the first things that comes to me is from my experience, the best way to share something is to share your truth, not to try to convince. And this was a very interesting um, discovery for me because my nature, I had always been what used to be called a type A personality, which really (laughs) translates to you didn't leave a conversation um, with me or room from me until you either agreed with what I was saying or or were a good enough actor to make me think that you agreed. And suddenly here comes the, along the biggest thing in my life that, that ever happened that not only has impacted me, but has impacted now millions, millions and millions. And it's hard for me to even imagine that, what that looks like. But of people around the globe, not only do I know I can't necessarily convince people of it, but yet I have no drive to Uh, my centering and my compulsion in a sense, in a sense is to share my truth and leave it up to everyone else to decide whether or not they're able to recognize that truth and, and what it speaks to within them. So for me, here, here's the background, because uh, I know that you spend a lot of time with people in business, and uh, that's really not at all foreign to me because when this started, what I assume I called Reconnected Healing, I, was, I had one of the largest practices, the two largest chiropractic practices in, in Los Angeles at the time I was... Wow. Very fashionable street, an intersection of Melrose Place and La Cienega Boulevard. If you can know the area, and um, even had valet parkers not not to be you know ostentatious, but basically because <laughs> you couldn't find parking on that street. <laughs> um, but uh, my patients used to joke we are the only chiropractor with a valet parker. We actually shared the street. But
0: can Can I awesome. ask before but, you continue how sure? did you How did you build up your practice to that level?
1: You know. I think it has a lot to do with an inner knowingness or belief that you're doing something of value. And with that, that's communicated in your conversations. Mm -hmm. And um, what I found was talking to the community worked. Now it's kind of interesting because there are at least two ways to talk to the community. One worked for me and one didn't. (laughs) What, didn't work for me was getting up in front of an audience and sharing it with different healthcare practitioners and each giving, you know, 10 minute presentations on the subject and the topic, because it made me nervous. Quite honestly, I, 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 I had notes, points I wanted to take about, I was well versed in the field of chiropractic, I did it well, and I loved it, but somehow put me in front of an audience. And my mouth clammed and I couldn't even read my notes. I didn't know where I was. There were moments of awkward silence because I couldn't find a word to come out of my mouth that just was not working for me. Um, what did work for me was going to public events and seeing people one-on-one, checking out their spine, their posture, talking to them about it and having a conversation. Well, interestingly enough, almost conversely, When what is now known as reconnective healing comes about, and I'll tell you how that happened in a moment. The first time, the basically first time I got in front of a large crowd, it was on the stage of Madison Square Garden. That's a thrust.
0: My gosh.
1: um, Because I had spoken to smaller crowds, but this was where I was pulled, and they they brought me to Madison Square Garden. The funny thing was, Nothing awkward, nothing awkward. You know why? Because I had nothing to memorize. I had nothing to remember. I had no facts to make sure that I got out in a sequence. All I had was my story to share and my insights along with it. And when I came to a point of pausing on that, I had an infinite amount of questions to respond to. So there, there was, there was no time to be self conscious, nervous or anything, but, you know, desire, a knowingness, a purpose that there was to share. So I, I should go back and, and bring you to a little bit of this story Yeah, to ask. I had practiced chiropractic as I said for 12 years, hmm. burgeoning, practice celebrities rock bands yeah, i was gonna
0: say you're, you're the chiropractor to the stars it seems well, like.
1: <laughs> they would say that to be, but to be quite honest you know pretty much any successful healthcare practitioner in the los angeles hollywood west hollywood area at that time had their fair share of celebrities so yeah it didn't, didn't make me stand out that much <laughs> just the same it was it was fun walking into my reception room and seeing all these people that you only saw on television or stage. Um, And so when I started chiropractic, my studies in it, it was because I was introduced to the concept by um, an old-fashioned chiropractor who knew what chiropractic was, basically, which was not about treating aches, pains, symptoms, or anything else specifically. Chiropractic, he explained, is this one simple understanding. The brain that we think of sitting in the skull doesn't stay here. It becomes the brainstem and the spinal cord and then nerves shoot off and they travel throughout the body and become tiny, tiny little nerve fibers that attach into each and every physical cell. Communication between brain and body keeps the cells functioning healthy. The cells live their normal lifespan, skin cells in every 30 days, liver cells every six weeks, whatever the cycles are. Our entire body in subatomic particles turns over brand new, almost like 98% every year. And that communication is what allows it. The funny thing is, when a bone in the spine turns or twists, it interferes with the nerve communication. Mm -hmm. So going to the cell, the cell gets only maybe at most 40% of that healthy input. And when that cell lives its lifespan and dies, the new cell that replaces it is less than healthy. So you build up less than healthy cells in your liver. For example, your liver can't detoxify the poisons. Can't do that. Sends poisons out to the kidney that aren't handled well. So the kidney doesn't know what to do. They scoot it out into the blood.
0: blood. So a good, a good Dr. Pearl, has- like a good illustration of that would be if someone has nerve damage and let's say they lose all sense of feeling in their left arm, for example, like what what might happen as a result of that?
1: Well, it's not just that they lose the feeling. The feeling is the symptom, the indicator. Right, yeah. Actually, what starts to happen, the cells replace themselves unhealthy. The muscles begin to wither Mm. and die. So what chiropractic says is reposition the spine, get the pressure off the nerves, and new healthy cells will come replace, uh, the sick cells, and the body heals again. And I went, wow, that's really cool. I'm going to do that. Really, in that conversation, I said, I'm going to do that applied to school, went to school. And you know what the school did? Beat a concept out of us as students because that was the time they were trying to become pseudo-medical doctors. Oh, right, sure. Everything was about diagnosis and treatment. And so by the time I got out of school, I was looking to fix the aches and pains in my patients and help their muscles regenerate and massage and ultrasound and all those things. You know why? Because I didn't know what true chiropractic was. I didn't learn it. And today, really about 80% of chiropractors don't practice true philosophic principle chiropractic. Mm -hmm. They they chase symptoms. In My ninth year in practice, someone turned me onto this concept again, reminded me of it. I went to hear doctors speak on it. I went, that's for me. Got rid of all the physical therapy, everything else. And although I was excellent at getting rid of aches and pains, now people evolve beyond that into having greater health manifest in their lives. And I thought that's terrific. So as I listened and read to the philosophers on this, one line really stayed with me. That by freeing up the communication between brain and body, we're freeing up the innate communication system in our body mm-hmm. is really our individual manifestation of this universal intelligence we exist in. So um, the field, the universe is Has an intelligence. Something tells trees to grow up and tree roots to grow down and children to be born with two eyes and one nose and all of this stuff functions in your innate intelligence within you, Josh, within me, and with everyone else listening and watching. And this description of it was we're reunifying, it's a little sexist way of putting it at the time, man the physical with man the spiritual. I say humanity the physical with humanity the spiritual. And that consciousness allowed me every time before I did a physical chiropractic adjustment on my patients to pause and to just breathe with that awareness in connection while I was touching that patient and then do the adjustment. And the very same physical adjustment that would have brought them to here with that awareness brought them, out of the picture, to a new place. And I did that for three years. And then one day, something strange started to occur. One night, a lamp next to my bed that I would had for 10 years turned itself on in the middle of the night and woke me up. No one was in my house. But when I looked, my bedroom door, which I was in the habit of closing every night and I had before I went to sleep, was open. I'm thinking, night turned itself on, doors open, and it feels like someone's in my house. It's a very unnerving feeling to wake up in a house, big house, that you're in alone and feel that someone's there. So I did the only natural thing. I walked. I got the, the largest yeah. knife to get my hands on. Uh, grabbed an old can of pepper spray, which I knew was empty. But I figured, you know, the other person. Was- <laughs> <laughs> and my Doberman Pinscher, who hid behind my knees the whole time, as if she were sensing something was wrong, too. Walked through that whole house, up, down, sideways. Couldn't find anyone. Went to go back to sleep. Went to... Clicked the lamp off next to my bed and it wasn't clicked on. The knob was only rotated enough for the light bulb to ignite, but not clicked into place. And, and, and I was so, you know, OCD about drawers locked and toothpaste caps on and windows shut and lamps clicked. I knew that wasn't me, which made me feel all the more uncomfortable, but I went to sleep anyway. Well, Monday I wanted to see my patients. I adjusted my first patient. Started on their face down, finished with them lying on their back, told them to close their eyes, relax for 30, 60 seconds. When they opened their eyes, he asked me who came into the room when his eyes were closed. And I said, no one, why? He said, no, the person who stood by the door. I said, no one stood by the door. He said, I heard them. I said, they weren't there. He said, I I felt them. I said, no one was there. So he kind of looked at me in a way where he said, okay, but I knew he didn't really believe (laughs) me. This person must be having him. Odd morning, because he'd been a patient of mine for a long time. He'd never said that before. Anyway, I walked in. I worked on my next patient, and she opened her eyes. She said, who came into the room when I was lying here? I said, no one. Why? She said, I heard someone come in. I said, no one came in. She said, I felt them. the same story. Seven, seven patients on that day insisted that someone came into the room, stood there, watched them, walked around the room, ran around to the room, and two of them. Two of them, I promise you, said to me, it felt as if someone was flying around the ceiling. Now I'm thinking seven patients in one day. No one had ever said this to me before. Right. I better. Right. This, is, this isn't
0: part of your, like when you're selling your no. features and benefits of your company. By the way, no. one benefit you'll get is someone's going to fly <laughs> around
1: the room. Oh, yeah. 12 years, 12 years in practice. So anyway. Other patients that day are saying, I can feel your hands before you touch me. I'm going, oh, yeah, sure, you can close your eyes. So they close their eyes. I hold my hands near different parts of their body. And they tell me, left ankle, right shoulder. So it became kind of a game. And as I held my hands near patients, I started seeing their fingers move, their facial muscles begin to twitch, their eyes move back and forth. When they open their eyes, they told me they were seeing colors. They've never seen flowers. They've never smelled before. They were smelling. And, and patients started calling me. Parents of like the younger patients with cerebral palsy and epilepsy saying, I don't know what's going on, but Johnny doesn't need do meds anymore. Sarah is not having seizures and they're walking and talking normally. What to do? I said, I didn't do anything and don't tell. anyone." Anyway, of course, the more I said that, the more everyone started talking. Yeah, right. <laughs> Soon media came and was asking questions and researchers, scientific researchers came and they wanted to measure me. And what are you going to measure? They said, they're, they're measuring around my, hands and my body, and they're looking at other people, and they're saying, we are finding, get this, I'm glad no one's listening, we're finding aspects of light and information, information, I don't know what that means, light and information that we've not seen here before, as if it could be new, (laughs) maybe new on earth, I'm thinking, this is very odd, um
0: anyway i, I mean prior did, to this i mean you weren't you you weren't practicing reiki or any of these other things like it, it, i didn't study energy healing take i will tell you once way back yeah in school i
1: went to um a, a three-hour class with friends said hey you want to see this
0: energy thing and someone talked about reiki and i thought i
1: don't know that look and, and, I and went, uh, oh, but no i haven't been
0: And another thing too is, you know, sometimes you might say, well, this person became a spiritual guru because they saw it as a way to make money. You're already doing well. Like you don't need to disrupt your, your business is going fine. I'm doing
1: really well. Thank you.
0: Um, (laughs) And so,
1: but what became interesting, it became more interesting. If if, if, um, if I'm not going to push the envelope with you too far, is that three months into this, and, and, you know, and, and by the way, I mean, all these things are happening just with this. I'm, I'm holding my hands near patients. You'd think you'd get closer and it would get stronger, but you didn't. You pull, I'd pull further away and the responses would get stronger. Um, as a matter of fact, I had a friend come visit me. I said, You've got to see this. You won't believe it. So he came to the office and I started to work on one patient. And then um, he was also a doctor. So it was all right for him to see it. And, and then we walk out of the room for a minute and the patient was still moving. I went to another room, worked on another patient. We walked out of the room, went to another one said had multiple offices in my, you know, small rooms in my office. Went to another, did it the same way. Now we're walking down the hallway. We're looking into each room and one patient's body stopped moving. So I'm standing in the hallway with my friend. I pick my hand up like this. I'm outside the open door and the body starts to move again. And we're both in shock. We don't understand what's going on. So I'm playing with it. People are coming in. They're watching. In one day, three months into, I remember it was December. This started in August on a Thursday. I remember the day. I wish I knew the dates, but I know the day. On a Thursday in August of 1993, in that December, no, no sorry, that January, I held my hands near one of my patients. His head jerked back. His eyes rolled to the top of his head. His mouth opened. His tongue started to move. And just as I'm staring in at his tongue, because it's very strange to be looking at, and no one's in the room with me, this air starts to come out of his mouth, you know? And so I'm listening, and I'm kind of leaning in because I can see his tongue's moving like he's talking. The sound is coming. All I hear is air, but it looks like he's saying words, so I'm getting closer and closer with my ear, and suddenly I did hear a voice. But I have to tell you, it wasn't his it was the voice of our mothers we all carry within us. <laughs> My mother's voice saying, Are you crazy? What are you doing? Get your ear away from that person. You don't know if he's going to grab you and bite it. I mean, so I was like struck funny and a and little shocked at the same time. But the voice, the air turned into a voice that said, We are here to tell you. I'm looking around the room going, What is going on? We are here to tell you to continue doing what you were doing what you're doing is bringing light and information onto the planet. And then I tried to talk to him some more and he answered. And I said, well, I've got to go see my other patients. I'm thinking myself, I don't want to tap them on the shoulder and say, thank you. This great, powerful voice from the universe has come all this way to talk to me, but I'm busy right now. Can you come back at seven? So I kind of said, how can I reach you again? He said, you can find me in your heart. And well, As I said, being a type A personality, that answer didn't work for me. So I pushed and pushed and pushed. He finally said, I can reach you through that person again. So I touched him lightly. I left, and the guy was in shock. He had no idea what was going on. I thought, okay, maybe he's in shock, no idea what's going on, or maybe he's just strange. The next day, not two, but three other patients had the very same response. They said the first two phrases he did, we're here to tell you to continue doing what you're doing. What you're doing is bringing light and information. Two of them said, what you're doing is reconnecting strands. One of them said, what you're doing is reconnecting strings. And on that Friday, the first patient came back in and said, what you're doing is reconnecting strings. Next week, five, seven other patients. Over the following three-month period of time, over 30 patients lost consciousness and spoke six phrases. I just told you the first four of them. Six verbatim phrases none of them except maybe the first ever had a voice come through them before some of them were frightened by what happened some of them became angry at what happened at me and left my practice Mm -hmm. and um and then in the third month as quickly as it started it all stopped sputtered to a complete halt Wow, so for The first patient it continued through. And I continued tape recording those times with him when that voice was coming through. And actually I finally recorded, I uh, had it transcribed and we put it out into a book maybe five, six years ago called Solomon Speaks on reconnecting your life. Um, it's my second book. It was co-authored with Fred Ponzoff, the person who had the voice come through him and, you know, those that voice that came through everyone else. But I was in shock by this. Now, what happened was I didn't really know what to do or say with it. And I wasn't talking about it, kind of, except TV shows started calling. And I did a television show or two, and then people started coming in from around the world, and it was the strangest
0: thing. Yeah, because, but you, at some point, like, were you feeling? I, I, I would imagine you're feeling uncomfortable with this. Like, oh my gosh, they're going to make me look like a loony or something like that. Right? I was.
1: I was. Most shows handled this really well because by that time, um, I'd already had patients with dramatic healings. I brought on people who would. I remember my first woman who came in to me. Her name was Michelle. She. Uh, she couldn't um, walk without help and leaning on her mother. She had severe fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, which at that time was considered to be by many a psychological problem. Today, they find that it actually is an existent medical problem. Um, she couldn't walk. She couldn't eat. She had to be carried by her husband and placed in hot water or hot showers several times a night for the pain. She walked out of there. So fast, her mother couldn't keep up with her. They went to the mall shopping for the first time in years. And the interesting thing, if this doesn't get too strange for you, was that right after her session, she told me that she saw someone. She saw an angel. I'm thinking to myself, you could tell I'm a little sarcastic by nature. I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, she saw an angel. Well, I'm, look what I'm doing. I'm waving my hands in the air with people. I'm bound to attract people who think they see angels. (laughs) So she, I chucked it off at that. But as a doctor, I took all my notes. She told me the name of the angel and that the angel had a hard time getting her voice out. And the angel became a little frustrated and testy that Michelle couldn't really hear exactly who she was and what she was saying and, and all these things. And, do you know that a month or two later, someone from another part of the country had the same experience, same angel, same name, same message, and other things started happening with different experiences? But what you were saying about television making me nervous yeah, I would turn green in the green room. Yeah, I'm out and see what came through me. And I would watch myself on TV. I'm looking down and thinking, I'm coming up and trying to share answers. I, I did have. One show, I was very disappointed. I remember, if you remember back to the Lisa show, remember Lisa Gibbons? Lisa Gibbons, sure. So nice a woman, I always thought. Um, And I ended up on her show. And every time I would tell a story that would make other TV audiences laugh, no one was laughing. I found out afterwards she had instructed her main person to hold up the sign that said, Sound like you don't believe this person. So it went all the way through and the audience would make all these, oh yeah, really just disbelieving noises. Oh, wow. But even over her instruction, they got so carried away with the story and the sharing of the healings that they laughed and opened up and ignored you know, what they told her to do. But what I was getting, but they had a doctor jump out of the audience yeah, and asked me a question and I knew he was a plant because he was in full makeup, the only one in the audience. Uh-huh, I'm sure. And he said, well, haven't you ever heard of spontaneous healings and, and or spontaneous remissions? I said, yeah, I, I have, but isn't it amazing how many of them happen with reconnected healing? So I'm thrilled. You should be too. Um, but uh, that, back to what I was going, what was going on with this was my heart became very quickly about these healings, And so, because I want to talk and I want to, address you on the business concept here. A little. Yeah. My focus was on doing these healing sessions. I had so many chiropractic patients coming in that I would, I'd hire a doctor. I'd show them how I did it, how, you know, to interact with the patients and, you know, so that they feel wonderful. I, I'd work with them in tandem and then, you know, let them take over the practice. I'd do the healings and I turn around and look in the other rooms and no patients were coming in. So to go back in, save the practice, bring in a new doctor, and um, train them again, and then go back to the healing work. And this happened multiple times. And I had gone to, I had agreed to go to an adult training program at the time, it was called the Learning Annex, and to give my very first presentation teaching on reconnected healing. I made all these notes like I used to do when I sat on the panel of different healthcare practitioners in front of the public. I got there and the same thing happened to me. I couldn't read the notes. I couldn't see the notes. I couldn't remember the notes. I didn't want to. And finally, I just threw them away. I said, look, here's what we're going to do. I brought in a massage table. I Everyone had a chair. I shared the story. I let them feel it in their hands because at the time I had a Reiki master teacher now working for me as my assistant and he mm-hmm. said, to activate their hands, and so I believe that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize at the time what that reconnective healing is so much bigger and more comprehensive that it includes all the gifts of Ricky and Gervais and Chin and Shagan and all the energy healing techniques. But it has no technique, so we don't have to learn a technique. You don't have right. to, to access this, and and you get more when we do a technique. We limit what we bring through. When we let go, everything comes out. So I shared this with the people released 25 unsuspect no 25 new healers onto an unsuspecting planet and my phone rang so much my front office person couldn't answer it and I had to buy my very first computer anyhow um, so as I worked with that I was so fascinated with the patients that the woman who um, was sort of running me when I would go to the different learning addicts places right. They couldn't imagine why I would fly myself to New York and other learning annex locations. They said, we're only gonna pay you $300, why would you go? I said, because something inside of me must do and must share with I had no choice. And when I said to my mother, I had no choice. She said, well, of course you have a choice. You don't have to. I said, I have to, not because I'm forced to externally. I have to, because internally, I have to Right, something that I feel entrusted with. I've never had that feeling before to share with the world. So um, this woman said, you know, we will help get you out. You just need to leave your practice. I was so nervous. I finally, I didn't even sell my practice. I built it up again, it to another chiropractor. And this time I legally signed it over to him. The reason I legally signed it over to him was not for money, I didn't sell it. It was my second best. It's beautiful, I loved it, but chiropractic was my second best. I needed to be doing Reconnected Healing and I needed to free myself. So I gifted him legally with the practice so that I would not feel compelled, and that didn't work. I did feel compelled when I saw the practice drop down again, but I wouldn't be able to walk back in, take it over and fix it. I I released it. It was a frightening evening. I remember getting in the car and being given on my way to a presentation, having just signed it, taking a sigh of relief through nerves and letting that go. Because I tell you I had been spending not just every penny I had, but more than I had. I was in debt in order to share Reconnected Healing with the world. At the time, it had no name because I felt giving it a name would put it into a box. Mm -hmm. And when we put something into a box, we immediately define what we think it is. and Everything outside the box sort of defines everything that it isn't. There were two things I knew quite clearly. That i didn't know i knew that i didn't know what this was and i knew i absolutely didn't know what it wasn't
0: you know and i think that that's part of the appeal that um you know i i tend to be again pretty left brain pretty analytical type a i'm not really a new agey kind of guy but i think you know your approach i enjoyed when i learned about it and this was in the um mid to late 90s i believe yeah, <clears throat> and so, as I heard you explain, and I think this was like a George Norrie or a radio program at the time
1: um, your, you, you
0: said you know i i don 't know I, I i honestly i don't have the answers i don 't know exactly why this works i don 't know you know, and I think one question I have is and I think comes up often, okay, well, is it the patient that's just you are you 're just allowing them to release their own healing energy, or is it really you? Are you the healer? Who's the healer here?
1: You know, it's an interesting concept and it is an expansive discussion.
0: I know we won't have time for two. We're not going going to, but
1: I meant if we were going to study it, it would be an expansive, philosophic, esoteric discussion, except it's not just esoteric. It is now quantum-based physics. Mm -hmm. So who is the healer? New-agey concepts, you know, and I'm not a new agey person either. Really, right. you know, you are not going to catch me walking around in flowing tie dyed outfits, you know, <laughs> or you know, I dream genie pants or, or something with giant wooden bowls of dirt, eating it with chopsticks, and you yeah. know, forgetting to clean under my toenails. This is not who I am, um, and I don't think we need to be. Uh, quite honestly, I found in the healing world that at, more so at that time. Today, there's a different level of understanding that we're growing into. But, you know, people were wearing all these outfits and strapping the appropriate crystals over the appropriate, what they thought were chakras. And what became quite clear quite quickly is that the degree to which we wear the costume on the outside, we decorate ourselves for show on the outside. Mm. I believe is fairly inversely proportionate to the degree to which we own the truth of who we are. On the interesting. interesting. Recognizing that we really each are healers is an interesting concept. But then again, are we the healer, as you proposed, or as you ask, Is the client, the patient lying down the healer? Is God, love, the intelligence of the universe by whatever name we refer to? Mm-hmm. It, As the healer, is the answer all three? I say yes, because what we know through quantum physics is that everyone is touching and no one is touching everything. Nothing is touching. Right now, you've got your your broadcast system set up on your desk, probably. Mm -hmm. Your computer might be sitting on your desk, for example. So we go, yeah, the computer's touching the desk, but really it's not. Um, it, it's, it's an empty space between there. We go, well, I can see there's no space. We'll look closer, look through an electron microscope at an atom. So you see in the center of an atom is clustered the, the, the protons and the neutrons, and then spinning around it are the electrons. We go, all right, well, there's a little space there between the electrons, but the protons and the neutrons are a cluster. No, they're not. If you blow up two protons in a nucleus to the size of each an orange, The distance between them isn't this big.
0: Right. It's huge.
1: It's two and a half football fields if they're the size of an orange. So that electron is way out in in the universe somewhere. Mm -hmm. Nothing is touching. It's a field of information. It's a field of information that makes something solid, seem solid, givey, seem givey. And so as I came in, with these frequencies what today what's called the reconnective healing frequencies by science Mm -hmm. healing frequencies of energy light and information because there's new aspects of light and information as they told us an expanded field of energy the further away we pull and stretch with it the more it expands because we're touching and you and i we go oh well you know we're in different places but we are sharing our informational fields. And even for someone who, if they were, if they had bugged your room right now, <laughs> they, they're involved in it. And if they recorded it and shared it with someone else later, they would be involved. Right. In so so we're we're all connected with this. And there was a there was a point I was going to to make with this, but and I don't remember.
0: <laughs> well, I want to. In just a, not about nine minutes, we have left. I, I wanted to share with you my experience. So when I learned about this, um, well, you had written a book, the, R- the Reconnection. So I bought the book uh, at some point um, after hearing it. And um, so, you know, you talked through on the radio on, on the radio interview and in the book about how to create this or like how to, you know, how to, you know, how to take this seed. And, and, you know, I think a lot of folks, you know, have, if they put their hands, you know, a few inches apart and they hold it there and they say, do you feel any energy in there? Maybe some, maybe some people don't, but some people I know do. I do. I always have. I remember my mom, you know, growing up, she'd, you know, put your fingertips together and, you know, hold your hands like this. And do you feel that ball of energy? I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah. We played with that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel something. I don't know. May, listen, maybe it's coming from my unconscious mind. Maybe it's coming from God. Maybe. I don't know. But I know that, like, oh, come on. I. I it could be my mind, but I definitely feel so. My body, my brain certainly thinks I'm feeling something for sure.
1: Try, try this. Open your hand like this. Okay, now s- slightly stretch the fingers a little more like you're tightening a drum skin. Yeah. That helps you feel vibration more. Yeah. Do it with the other hand. Mm-hmm. Now, if you just move your hand, you're going to feel something in the room. You can't help it. There's a movement of air. You'll feel that. There's right. blood circulating. You'll feel that. But imagine that there's maybe a suctioning or a rubber band between your two hands and start to pull them with mm-hmm. the fingers tight. Bring one hand up a little, one down. If you move your right hand up and down, for example, place your attention into your left palm. Can you feel a corresponding movement of sensation in your left palm that's sort of matching what your right hand is doing?
0: Yeah, yeah. Kind of cool? So my brain certainly thinks it feels something like i awesome. you know i i can't deny that I, where it comes from i don't know you know what's the answer is it some you know is it a psychological thing i have no idea but all i know is i believe and i feel something but you so, don't know
1: too and that's no no,
0: no and i don't I, and i agree i don't need to know but then all i know your microphone yeah, is sitting on your desk What's I that again your microphone is sitting on your desk right mm-hmm.
1: now, assuming that's your microphone right, right. okay now Your microphone, if it were, you know, sentient, would feel the desk. But your microphone doesn't. Your microphone doesn't believe in the desk. The desk Mm -hmm. is just there. Yeah. Reconnective healing, some people come in and go, I know this will work because I'm open to it. It doesn't matter. Reconnective healing doesn't care whether you believe in it or whether you don't. Because just like the desk is there for that microphone, reconnective healing simply is. Yeah, in here It exists. So in the first book, I'll give you an example. In the first book, it's called The Reconnection. Heal Others, Heal Yourself. If you want to grab it, it's, it's by uh, Hay House as a publisher.
0: I've got it on my shelf. <laughs> uh, my
1: editor kept calling me said, I can't edit this book. I said, why? Because every time I pick it up and read it, my hand starts to vibrate. My body vibrates. And I have to put it down again yeah. and start to work with it. That was my first indicator that this could be taught. Uh, my partner, Jillian, my life partner and I have trained over 100, get this, 100,000 people around the world. The book Mm. is now in 40 languages. We're working in another that we hope to put out this year that gives you not just philosophy and understanding of this work, but a basic how-to. But the point is, here's what I would say if you're looking to move forward into a career that you're being led to follow. And you're a little nervous about it because your entire financial support system has been based on a job, profession, a career that is no longer making the heart sing. See, I wasn't physically in my body any longer doing chiropractic. I wasn't really alive doing my second best. I had to go forward and say, this must stand or fall on its own. I couldn't see, nor did I choose to allow myself to see any potential other than my life is doing this. And I remember at one point in time, I said to myself, you know, if I end up having to live in a shopping cart, you know, (laughs) um, hiding between lawns of a police car goes by because I have no money. I had no money. I I would do this because I know I needed to do it. And if I went to jail, I would do it in jail. But I knew reconnective healing, healing and human transformation and consciousness at this level, this was a gift I was given that I was responsible for. As a matter of fact, I felt Here's what I did. I gave myself an imaginary, well, maybe not. I said, what, the, what are the two worst things that could happen? I do this or I don't. I do this, and at the end of my life, I end up at the, the pearly gates or wherever we go, and <laughs> Peter, whoever's there, opens the book, finds my name, Eric Perler, 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 Perler. Hmm, looks at me and goes, huh, you let a lot of people down a very foolish path. Yeah, <laughs> thinking that we're doing healings, doing all these crazy things. You've got to go back and live your life over 600 times. Well, not really very exciting. You know what the comparative scenario to that was? I die, show up at the pearly gates, wherever we go, St. Peter's there, opens the book, looks up my name and says, Eric Pearl. You know, no matter how many times I tell this, it's hard. Eric Pearl, you were given an opportunity to bring about a change, a change in consciousness. A change in awareness, something that could bring about limitless help and evolution. This reconnective healing doesn't just change people physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It puts you onto your life course. It changes relationships, careers, prosperity, abundance, it brings in your life. You were given an opportunity to make a change in the world that could have ripple effects throughout the universe. Throughout eternity, maybe you had no guarantees, but you were given an opportunity to do this and you didn't do it. Mm. Why? You know why you didn't do it? Because you were afraid, afraid of income, afraid of how you might look, afraid of what people might think. You didn't do it because you were afraid. And what came to me in that moment is that fear is not something that fights with love or purpose. There is an absence of love, knowingness, or purpose. And I refused to make my choice on fear. I refused to make the choice on absence. And in that, I knew I was to bring this forward. And are there ups and are there downs? Yes, and are there times I feel stuck and I don't have answers? And I'm not sure how to bring this forward and expand it more. Are there times I question the, um, whether I can make bills or, you know, hmm. where I am today? Am I in the same financial bracket as I was before? At times, much higher and at times, lower. Well, that's me. I guess that's how I've handled things. And that's, you know, things I need to overcome, but nothing is as expensive as living a second best life yeah
0: Nothing. dr. pearl thank you so much I, I really appreciate you sharing your time with me this was a fantastic and uh, so grateful uh, to be able to spend this time with you and Josh, as I mentioned it's it's been honestly the reconnection is it's in it's in my ten most profound books of, of all time in terms of the impact that it had on my life and the practical use that that i've made of that wisdom in there um it's affected my life in a profound way so i could just tell you thank you from me personally for yeah. for letting your message be out there i want to tell you one thing specifically for yeah. you okay if you
1: go you know just like the book is called the reconnection you know others heal yourself the website is the reconnection.com if you go on there look for what's called the portal. It's part of our one program. The one program is what we teach live. The portal is the first part of it. It's an eight hour course that you can look at anywhere you are online. Hmm. And I take you through how to find this, how to feel it, how to play with it, movement, awareness, philosophy. And I promise you that course will change your life, your relationships, your abundance and prosperity, your success. And wow. health in more ways than even I can begin to explain.
0: Yeah, I've got your website open right here. So it's thereconnection.com. And then um under online courses, you've got it listed right here the portal. Looks amazing. Awesome. I'm gonna go through this. Thank you so much, Dr. Pearl. I really appreciate your time. So glad we could chat.
1: Well, I really hope you guys enjoyed that audio. If you want to hear more of that, then subscribe to this podcast. If you want more ways to
0: spy on Josh, head to upmyinfluence.com. This is Morse code over and out. We are not being recorded.